Listener Production. It's a funny thing what we miss. It can be the littlest things, you know, and for me it's having that family time at the dinner table. It's like that used to be my favourite part of the day. So I don't have that now and I think I will get that back. But as I said, I want to wait, you know, a little bit longer and then maybe down the track I will fall in love. That would be nice. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. I don't know about you, but in this time of social isolation, I really crave connected conversations. So I'm going to dig deep to give you a new window into the souls of the people we're curious to get to know and understand. There might be tears as well as laughter as we celebrate the real life flaws and vulnerabilities make us human. My guest for this episode is media superstar, Jackie O, one of the most powerful women on Australian radio. She reveals intimate snippets of her life to her audience every morning, and I've been lucky enough to have been interviewed by her over the years. Now, it's my turn, and I'm excited to discover what motivates this remarkable woman away from her sparkly microphone. Oh, Jackie, I'm so excited. Yay, we get to chat at last. I know, and we can talk for as long as we want about anything we want. <laughs> it's so good. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Oh, so have I because I'm a massive fan of yours. Likewise. A, oh, you, not of me. I'm a fan of you. <laughs> Does that what that means? Do you, or are you supposed to say back at you? <laughs> well, you're, you've got more of the cool speak than I do. You've got much more street cred than I do. But you <laughs> do. I marvel at you, Jackie, because you're this beautiful, down-to-earth, gorgeous, generous-hearted woman. But you oh, are thanks. also, you are, but you are also one of the most powerful and influential women on Australian radio. Yeah, God. Sometimes when I get told that, I'm like, am I? <laughs> I don't you think are. about it. I try not to think about it too much. I just try and go in and have fun every day. And yeah, I think as you get older and you have a daughter, like you would know, Jess, some things start to change in your mind about what you should and shouldn't be saying. Back before Kitty, I used to say anything. Now I'm a bit more mindful because she's in year five and she has friends that are listening. So even though I she doesn't listen because I don't want her to, she will hear things from friends. And so far it's been fine, but Oh, God, just when she gets into an older year, like say year eight or nine, I I don't know. I'm just dreading that, you know. I'm dreading what her friends might Google and what they might hear and anyone who's ever been on a TV show written about, it's our worst nightmare, our kids Googling us because, as you know, God, the media have printed stories that aren't correct in the past and, you know, you just don't know what they'll find. (laughs) I agree, but, and it's a tightrope, isn't it, that you walk? Mm. Because I think what is so lovely about you is that you have been so open about parts of your life and that's why people connect with you because they sort of say, oh, yes, that's me or I've been through that. But but I think there's nothing wrong with also saying, I've changed. I'm a mum now, so the sorts of things that I will share or talk about are going to change. I think people accept that. 
I think so. And, you know, that has happened um, before where I've said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that because I can just imagine how that headline will read and if that ever got back to Kitty, no, thank you. But I also explained to her that this is my job and my job is to be as open and honest as I can with the audience because they've spent 20 years listening to us and that's what they like about it. And it's been good because she's been coming into work a little bit here and there. And I've really been saying to her, you need to get in Radio Kitty. Like, let's make a plan. What are you going to do? And she, at first she had no interest in radio and I'm like, why not? It's fun. And so um, anyway, just by default, she came in for, for different reasons and she's she's loving it. She loves the energy of radio, which is what I fell in love with. I just remember I'd gone from temping in Canberra because I'd followed love. So I met with Phil, who's Ugly Phil. We were in a relationship, but we met when we were on the Gold Coast. So we moved to Canberra and I didn't have a job there. So my job was temping. And let me tell you, for anyone who's tempted, it's not it's not the fun, the most fun job because you never ever get to have friends. You know, you're always in and out of an office that's already got a click going. So you feel like a real loner in that job. All you're doing, you know, if you're filling in for someone for a day, all you're doing is just getting their coffees and doing, typing up documents, nothing, you know, with meat in it. So it wasn't a fun, you know, job, that's for sure. And I remember by the time we got to Adelaide, I started helping out on the phones and I just fell in love with the energy of radio, of how much fun everyone was having in the office. And that was it. I just knew, oh my God, these are my people. I lo- this is a job that I could do and love. And, and I think that's what Kitty's been experiencing with the little, you know, bits of time she's come in. She's like, mom, you just have the most fun job. So I think as long as she can learn to understand that there are parts of my job that I'm going to say that, hey, it might not be something you'd want to hear, but I can't completely shut down to my audience. So it's making her understand that this is part of the gig as well. And it's what you do. And I love what you say about finding your people and finding your passion and energy, because that is a privilege in a sense that a lot of people spend their lives trying to find who they are, where they fit in, and you did. But also I think, you know, with Kitty, she must be really proud of you though to actually go, oh, my goodness, I'm seeing my mum in this different light because often, you know, as a mum and you're doing all the the mum kind of stuff and then you step Mm. into your professional role, for her to see you like that, she must be proud. She was, I mean, before Mars Singer, she hadn't, I don't think she'd come into the radio and if she did, she was young and it was a very quick trip. So the first season of Mars Singer, which we filmed in Sydney, was the first time she's ever really seen me work. And wow, what a thing to see your mum do. You know, you're there for like two hours getting your hair and makeup done and then you've got like all these glittery outfits that you can choose to wear and wearing the nicest heels and jewels and then you're on TV and there's these performances and she's just watching it going, oh my God, my mum does this? I got brownie points big time when she was on Mars Singer because, yeah, for her, it is. She's super proud. The other day I was looking at her her screensaver picture and then she doesn't have an account on TikTok, but she is allowed to have this account but doesn't put anything up so she can watch other people on there. And her profile pic is her and me as well. And I'm like, oh, oh you put me in your profile pic. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you know how big a deal that is oh. when the mum goes in the profile pic. <laughs> it is. I reckon there is no higher praise for There's a mum, no, is there? There isn't. Because, because like, even yes. for us, we take a lot of time in deciding what's going to be our profile pic. <laughs> We're no different. We're scrolling through all our photos. But to see her put me up as her profile pic, I was uh, reached the pinnacle of mum status oh, right there. <laughs> I love it because my eldest daughter, she's so cheeky, Allegra, she has me, like when I ring her, birth giver comes up as, as the <laughs> name and I'm like, Allegra. And, and I'm not sure. I'm trying to think, is that a compliment? But I don't That's, really think quirky. it is. <laughs> she's quirky and uh, quite witty. I love it. But That's you know, excellent. Oh, it is. But how I've sort of, I don't want to say got back at her, but I'm on TikTok and it's quite a new thing for me to do. Yep. And it is quite embarrassing for my daughters. And there's a part of me that revels a little bit in that because I think, you know what? Yeah. I've You've spent- got to have fun and embarrass them of sometimes. Of course you do, don't you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I remember um, one time I had uh, friends come over. Very rarely does this happen, mind you. The team, the team came over so they can be a bit rowdy. And Kitty was uh, there and, you know, this is when I was with Lee and, you know, we just, we carried on drinks back at my place and then Kitty came out and she saw me uh, twerking and, (gasps) oh, my God, I've never (laughs) lived it down. I swear she's never been more embarrassed of her mum than she was in that moment. And I, I can't do any kind of dance that might resemble Cardi B in any way. <laughs> and so I, I get her point too. I wouldn't want my mum doing Cardi B moves at a party. Oh, but you know what? I, I do think go for it. And, and speaking there about mums, what is your relationship with your mum like? Mum and I grew up extremely close. You know, she's one of those mums that, has always said to me, I'd rather you tell me than not tell me. So if you are going to do something like smoke or, you know, lose your virginity, I would rather you include me in those conversations than exclude me. And she gave me quite a lot of freedom. I mean, looking back, too much, but it didn't affect me though. It didn't, I didn't get, thankfully, I didn't get myself in trouble. She let me go to clubs really young. And um, I just don't know how, I think it was just a different time. And thankfully I, you know, I was always with friends and I always had to call her. So as I got older into those sort of teen years, I think she was tearing her hair out because that's just what parents do. Once kids have a bit of freedom and they're out with their friends, you're sick, you know, until they come home, you feel sick, you can't sleep. And that's what my mum went through for, you know, a good two years when I was about 13, 14. And it's never wavered. We've never had falling out, you know, a falling out. And to this day, we're still really close. You know, I, I don't call mum as much as I should because I know when I talk to mum, it's going to be a two hour call. And you know what that's like? You're like, oh, you look at your phone, you go, I see a text from mum. See, she texts me while we're literally talking now. <laughs> she says, can you ring me? You aren't answering my texts. I want to know how you got on with your jab yesterday. That's uh, the needle, guys. I'm not getting lucky in the bedroom. Um, and uh, so there's these texts and I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I don't. sometimes I don't have two hours in the day to dedicate to this phone call that we do. So I, I feel guilty when I don't, you know, call her when she asks every time. But, yeah, it takes up a lot of time, Jess. Of course it does. But I think too... 
guilt is not a useful emotion because it means you've done something wrong and you haven't done anything wrong. You're busy and sometimes, Mm. although we think about our mums, we love them, it isn't the time to have the discussion or fill them in on everything because I've got a thing with my mum. She'll say, oh, you look tired. And and I'm like, that is not a nice thing to say. <laughs> she thinks it is useful to say to me, oh, you look, do. yes, a bit tired, you know, you're looking after yourself. I'm, and, and the worst thing though is it will often be when I think I look great and I'll be like, oh. Oh. Yeah. Am I? Am I tired? Am I not quite right? What's wrong? I mean, is there things like that that your mum might do? Absolutely. I mean, you know, my mum is the hardest person to please when it comes to um, my outfits on Mars Singer. But she's always like, I don't know why you hit. No, no, I don't like that one. No. Mum actually asked this year, and I should have because this was before lockdown started. She said, I'm going to come and I'm going to watch Mars Singer and hang around with you on set. And I said, Mum, please don't, don't. (laughs) I said, I've got enough stress on that show trying to guess people. And I don't need for you to go, I don't think this dress suits you. Um, I don't want that comment before I'm going on stage, mum. But nobody else will tell us the truth except for our mums wholeheartedly. And, you know, a lot of guilt runs in our family. So my mum, she will feel guilty for things and that's come on to me. I feel guilty for little things that I don't need to. And I can see that coming through in Kitty as well. So she might accidentally slip out a naughty word. Well, gosh, I mean, we're there for the next 10 minutes with her in tears, feeling so guilty that she accidentally did something like that. And I can just see it running through the generations. It must be in our DNA, for God's sake. (laughs) It is the worst. No one should feel guilt unless you've actually done something wrong. But it also at the same time does make you very empathetic towards other people. And you don't want to let people down. See, that's our thing in our family. We don't ever want to let people down. We're probably really needy and need approval. (laughs) But but isn't that, I think that is fascinating because often as women, and I don't want to generalise, but I will, we do feel like we need to seek approval, that, that we need people to say to us, yes, that's good. Well done. You're enough. This is great. Well done. But you are someone, Jackie, that from the outside, I mean, you've achieved so much. You are smart. You are funny. You're you're a genius at what you do, but you still have that sense of, oh, do I need approval? Where where does that come from? I think the approval side comes from the family and it's not, you know, I need my dad's approval because it's nothing like that. It's just, I think we just don't want to let people down in our family. And That's the same with me. Like, I just don't want to let people down and I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Um, So I'll probably go and do something that, you know, I don't, I didn't really want to do, but I'm doing it because I don't know, I can't say no. But at work, you see a completely different me. And that's the me that is not apologetic for, you know, anything that I might feel, I don't feel guilty. It's a job. um, And you've got to put, your job hat on and you've got to do the job as best you can. And so different rules apply there. I don't know. It's it's seeking approval is something maybe I used to do. I tell you what I do now and the, the more shows you do and the more time you spend in this business, people don't ever want to give you feedback and they, they're, they're too scared to give you feedback. And 
I hate that part of the industry. So whenever I step into a new job like the Masked Singer, I said to my EP, please tell me if I'm ever doing anything that you think looks funny on screen because he said to me, you um, naturally like scowl a little bit. So you it, you don't look like you're having a good time and I am. It's just that my Botox ran out in my forehead. So <laughs> I'm desperate for mine. Goodness me. Can you get me an appointment? I still can't get in. Um and I, I said to him, Sean, thank you so much for saying that and please say things like that because I always want to get better and even if I've done something wrong on air, correct me, I want to know because that's the only way you learn. And so the only disappointing thing about being in this industry is sometimes people just don't give you feedback because they think it's not their place to give it to you and that's the one thing I do love is I love always bettering myself and if I'm doing something that's not coming across well or that is maybe I'm unaware of. I do want to know that. So, you know, I think it's, it's like this balancing act, right? Oh, it is. Uh, and also too, you want the feedback, but you want it to be constructive. So, okay, yeah. how can I take this on board and give a better performance? But another thing I was wondering as well with you, as you get older, is there more of a merging of you know, Jackie behind the scenes and, and that work hat of perhaps being gentler on yourself and actually thinking, you know what, I am enough. I'm amazing. I I am proud. Absolutely. I'm proud of where I've started and where I've come. And I am, yeah, I don't think I need to sort of, you know, pep talk myself up all the time because I have a low self-esteem. I don't think I have a low self-esteem. I just don't ever want to think I'm all that, you know, just always remain grounded, you know, better than anyone else. But yeah, I think it doesn't, what was the question? <laughs> no, you, this well, is you what know, I do. Uh, no, but it's it's me getting deep and meaningful, Jackie, you see. These are the, the conversations yeah. I love having, you love this. having yeah. with, with my husband and my kids and they roll their eyes and do exactly what you did. Like, what? What, what, what are you asking? What are you talking <laughs> Wait, what about? Was what was the question? <laughs> but essentially, I suppose what I'm trying to get to is that almost the, the two two sides to you, this confident, amazing woman, but then also the side of you, like when I know you've recently become an ambassador for WW, otherwise known as as Weight Watchers, and I think you're gorgeous always. And there was a part of me when I was reading some articles when you said losing the weight, it's made you feel so happy. And I just, I wanted to give you a big hug then because I wanted to say, Mm. you know what, you're fabulous and beautiful and glorious, however yes, uh, you uh, are. Thanks, Jess. And and look, I have always had a uh, issue with my body. It's just something that I think even Nick, who is your producer, she's worked with me and she's seen it. I look back at pictures and I'm a size eight, but I would always order a size 12 because I wouldn't believe I was a size eight. Um, and I'd always want things that were baggy because I didn't think, you know, I was skinny enough. Now, these were my days in the 20s. And um, now that I get older, I look, I lost that weight for WW where I wanted to just, because I was the heaviest I'd been. And honestly, no one's seen the pictures of how heavy I was. Um, but it it just, it wasn't me, Jess, and it wasn't, I, I had no energy And I should have had this outlook of like, yeah, whatever, curves are great, you know, but 
I, I, I really wanted to feel better about myself and have more energy. And when you work breakfast radio, you need to feel kind of somewhat fit because if you don't, it makes the job 10 times harder. If you're not healthy and, and fit doing this job, you will, you know, struggle. So I wanted it for that reason, but I have for a long time had body dysmorphia. And when I look back on, on, photos of me, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I just want to cry because I think, how could you possibly thought that you were, you know, big in any way or too big for TV? And I just, I did, it really was a a body dysmorphic thing. It must have been. I never got it. I don't want to say I've been officially diagnosed with something that I haven't, but it was pointed out to me many, many times by people that you honestly must have body dysmorphia because I'm telling you, you don't need the size up. This is your size. And you know, as I get older, I am a lot more comfortable with whatever my weight may be. And I really thank a lot of women out there for flying the flag to say, you know, bigger is beautiful, thin is beautiful, all sizes are beautiful. When I was growing up, it was just the supermodels who were beautiful and they were, you know, 5'10 and flawless and skinny. And now everything's changed. You've got, you know, whether you put down the Kardashians or you love them, um, one thing I will say is they've really, some of them have really kind of flown the flag for curves and how curves can be sexy. And then you've got BB Rexa, you know, she's curvy and she really flaunts it. And Lizzo and these women, they love their bodies. They're not ashamed. And that is so inspirational. And that's giving me inspiration. And that's making me go, yeah, why, why do I care about what's supposed to be beautiful in society. Just work on you feeling beautiful and everything will come from there. I've realised how important it is to send that message out there to young girls growing up because, you know, they need to see it's not all Photoshop and filters. And I've noticed a trend on Instagram where people aren't putting filters on anymore and they are posting the real them. And it's so good to see a little bit of a change there. The other day we were watching a movie. It was Bride Wars, Kitty and I. And I don't know if you've seen Bride oh, Wars. Oh, yes, many yeah. times with my yeah. girls. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> with we Kate loved it. Lo- exactly. So I knew she would probably like this. Anyway, they got to a point where they were really like, Anne Hathaway and Kate Hudson were really hurling insults at each other. And the final like insult that was the real, supposed to be the real corker of the insult was Anne Hathaway telling Kate Hudson that your wedding's going to be huge just like your ass. And Kitty turned to me and she goes, wait, but mum, that one was a compliment. And I was like, oh, see, there you go. Kitty now sees huge asses. That's a compliment. Like <laughs> it's changing already. Like she saw all these insults, but no, the huge ass is definitely not an insult. It's a compliment because they're growing up around different body shapes now. And let's hope she doesn't get bum implants. I mean, that would be going too far. <laughs> yes. But at least she, at least she, you know, understands that there's all shapes and sizes out there. And that must make you feel good, though, Jackie, in the sense that she's starting to have a different sort of dialogue about about body shape and her body, yeah. as opposed yeah. to the one that you've obviously grappled with over the years. Correct. And I hope that for her, she doesn't feel the need to be a particular body shape as she grows up. There's no, you know, pressure on that. I mean, that's, 
maybe a little way off, but we're getting there. And I think it's just really good to see all shapes and sizes out there for our, our young girls and, and young guys, you know, seeing different bodies because as you grow up, that's what you think is what you should be. And that can be dangerous. And that's why a lot of the time parents don't want their kids on social media. Just picking up on a point you were mentioning about the Kardashians, I'm new to the Kardashians. I'm a late oh, adapter. Wow, I mean, I know how late exactly. Wait, just now, or yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Where have I been? But it was because for so long I was adamant with my girls. No, they're not good role models. And then I thought. Actually, I've never seen their shows. This is a bit rich of me to be saying this. And during our most recent lockdown, my girls made me watch it with them. And I have come on board the Kardashian train in in the sense of, as you say, different body shapes. But the other part that I have really warmed to them is they love each other. They support each other, come what may, yeah. and and probably too because one of my daughters thinks I'm a bit like Chris Jenner. Again, I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> that's a compliment. Oh, we good. love Chris Jenner. Yeah, love her. Because how would Kitty describe you as a mum? Um, she always says um, because she's written me a million cards that describes me as a mum, so I should recite them. She she thinks she knows we're both sensitive. Um, we have a lot. Well, she says you're so kind and caring. She says I'm the coolest mum she knows. We have such a good relationship, and we it, it's a fine line between mother and bestie. It's it's somewhere in between there, because we do hang out a lot and we do get on really well, and we're similar in our personalities. So we have a lot of fun together. Like we've already made plans. It's probably will never happen, but we've already made plans that when she's eighteen, we're gonna build a house and we'll have I'll have one side and she'll have the other side, but it'll be one house. And that's just my way of you know keeping her with me forever. <laughs> that's so beautiful. <laughs> and then you've got privacy to do your twerking in peace. That's it. Too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really, really beautiful relationship. It, it We're super close and she tells me everything. I mean, she doesn't get embarrassed about one thing, which astounds me because at that age they are, you know, things are happening and changing with them and she doesn't care. She, she And she's like that with her dad as well. So she has a really, really good relationship with both of us. Well, what an amazing job, obviously, Jackie, that, that you've both done as parents to create this this beautiful little soul. Yeah, I have to hand it to Lee as well. Like, it, I'm so lucky that I have an ex-partner who has the same kind of morals and, you know, um, idea of how we co-parent. You know, we kind of are all really on the same page and we're very respectful. If one says, I don't really want her doing that or, oh, I don't want her to get her ears pierced, the other will be like, fine, that's totally, yep, we won't do it until we both agree. And then, you know, we just, it, it's, it, it works. It works really easily. But you got to have both parents, I think, being, you know, working pretty well together for that to happen. Most definitely. And having that same moral compass, I do, I must ask you too about love, Jackie. Yeah. Where you see yourself in terms of, do you want to have another relationship or for now are you over blokes and just want to have a break and let's sort of see what unfolds over the next few years? What are your thoughts? 
My thoughts are that I have been in a relationship since I was 16. Every time it's been like maybe a month in between and then on to the next boyfriend. That sounds like I've had a lot of boyfriends, but it's actually long-term relationships I've had. Um, And so I've never, I reckon I was single for all of maybe four or five months once. And that's the longest I've ever been single. And when I was, I, I was desperate for a boyfriend. Like I just needed to be in a relationship. Oh, I didn't want to be lonely. I didn't want to be at home on my own. So I was always searching for like the next relationship. And this time I've just gone, okay, have some time to yourself. Who are you? You know, just be with your friends, be with your daughter, be with the people who really matter to you and who have supported you through this because when you separate or go through a divorce, it's so, so difficult. So I I really wanted to spend time with my daughter and really, really nurture her because my biggest fear was that she would suffer as a result. That was the fear both Leah and I had. You know, we knew that we had come to an end, but a, a lot of people stay together for the sake of their children because they don't want to ruin their children's lives if it goes pear-shaped, if it, if they suffer from a separation and, you know, it, they can't get past it, it can really change their confidence, everything. And so afterwards, I just really wanted to make sure that I gave her all of my energy, made sure she was happy and, well, you know, that she was going to come out the other side well-adjusted and still remain who she was, which was, you know, the happiest girl, always happy. And she still is, thankfully. And I feel like, you know, I've got a bit of time. I can wait. I'd rather just this small little window I have with her before she's off with her friends, I'm going to make the most of. And I don't think I want to complicate it with someone coming into my life just yet. And that makes such good sense. And, and you know, something that I, that I think about too, my parents split up when I was nine. And yeah. I can say it's the best thing they ever did. <laughs> yeah. Because, and, and I say that because the relationship I now have with them as individuals, the people that they have become has had such an impact on me. And if they'd stayed together just for the sake of me, there's no way I would be the person I am and my sisters wouldn't be the people that we are. So it's, as you say, it's a hard thing, but I actually think it's the best thing that you can do. I think you've just got to listen to your gut and, yeah, say, okay, would they be better off if we stayed together or would they be better off if both parents are happy? They're not fighting. Um, They're co-parenting really well and your children or child sees them happy and they're not in, you know, they, they, then is that better for them? I, I thought it was because I just didn't want her growing up. You know, I want to, I want her to see a, 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 a couple that she lives with, whether it be mum and dad, mum, mum and stepdad or dad and stepmom, that who are really in love and show that and show them what love means and what a relationship means, what a healthy relationship means. I think that's more important and they get more from that going into future relationships when they're older about what to expect and what they will, you know, stand for and won't stand for. If you're unhappy and you don't think the relationship is healthy and they're witnessing that, it could be more detrimental. I don't know. I'm no expert on this. I just only know what I feel and what I felt was the right decision for us. And it was because 
it it's working for you. We all deserve to be happy. Yeah, I think so. And it's possible too. You know, it is for anyone out there who is like, oh gosh, I, I, I'm going to stay because of the kids or, but oh, I'd be so much happier in my life if, you know, we separated. If you're thinking about it, um, my advice would be to obviously do whatever you feel is right for you, but just know that you will be okay. You know, I, I spoke to someone the other day who had also split from his wife and we had, you know, split around the same time. So it had been about two years for both of us. We reckon it's about 18 months to two years before you start to get yourself back. You know, you, you, I'm not going to lie. It's two years of shit. And then you come out the other side much better. And so you come out that other side much better. What else, Jackie, have you discovered about yourself in this time? I think the fact that I'm happy in my own company. I've never thought that that was me before. It's one thing to say you're happy in your own company when you're in a relationship because you might have your partner go out, let's say, with his mates and you've got the night to yourself and you think, oh, I'm so happy in my own company. I love this. That's different because you know he's coming home and you know (laughs) you're going to still have a relationship at the end of it because in the back of your mind, you're not alone. You're just alone for maybe four hours so you can do whatever you want to do. But genuinely being alone and not having a partner, that's where you realise, am I okay with that or not? What kind of person am I? And what I learned was that I'm very much okay in my own company, knowing no one's going to be walking through the door at the end of the night or at the end of the day. And I'm okay with that now. And that's one thing I really have always wanted to get to in my life. I mean, I didn't go into a marriage thinking this would end. So it wasn't like a long-term goal. It's just that it was one of those things that I'd never been able to do before. And now I can. And that is empowering to be able to say, you know what? Yeah. I I like me. <laughs> I love me. And, it, yeah. and, and hey, yep. I enjoy hanging out with myself. <gasps> I do. I really like it. And now I'm starting to think, I don't want someone cramping my style and <laughs> I don't want to fight over what to watch on TV. I just know that I want to watch this and this is what we're watching. I've become very selfish, I think, you know, um, but it's nice. Why not? Why not be selfish for a couple of years in your life and just do you? And it, I don't think it is being selfish. I think it's actually looking after yourself, which is what all of us need to do. Mm. And I just want to finally ask you, Jackie, about friends, about friendship. And I imagine because of sort of who you are, everyone knows who you are, how hard it can be sometimes to have really, really close friends. Or do you have just one or two people that you hang out with and trust? How have you navigated that? I have probably about... Outside of any kind of work, I would say I have about four really close girlfriends, ones that I would trust my life with, any secret with. We're talking the true, true friend. You know, you can have other friends, but you know, you wouldn't tell them your deepest, darkest secret. And I feel lucky that I that I have the three to four that I have. And they're the ones that, you know, they keep me company and will always make plans to go out or have plus some of them have kids. So we do play dates. But beyond that, sometimes I find it hard to, it takes me a long time to build a friendship, which is probably one of my downfalls. You know, I like being 
I guess to a degree, sometimes sociable. Although when you work in breakfast radio, we're all pretty antisocial. Um, it's just a thing that comes with the gig. I don't know why we end up as really antisocial people. Well, it's because um, you've got to get up so early. You've got to go to bed early yeah. and, you, and you're working yeah. at a time or getting up at a time where most people are in their deepest, darkest sleep. That's yeah. why. And I think you, you talk so much that by the end of it, you don't want to talk to anyone. You know, that's how you feel. You feel um, you're mentally drained from it. And so after that, I'm kind of like, oh, I can't be bothered, you know, socialising. I'm not going to go out to this thing tonight because, I, you know, I don't have the energy for that. But I don't really need new friends, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think you get to an age where you're like, oh, if I get a new friend, that's great. But I'm really happy with the friends that have been there for me for like 20 years plus and I could ring them up any time and they'll be there for me. And that's what it's about. I, I think... To me, when I think about my close friends, it's it's not a whole bunch of people. I could count them on one no. hand, but they're the ones yeah. who get me, who who laugh with me, who let me be silly and are there for yeah. you, as you say. They show up. Oh, totally. You know, it would be so much easier if I was a lesbian, honestly. <laughs> I wish I was because I'd just hook up with one of my best mates. Because <laughs> oh, I love hanging out with them more than anyone, you know, and they're all female. So what does that say? But, yeah, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> you never know. No, I'm not. I don't know. Am I? I, I don't know. <laughs> and I know I said before, last question, but this really will be Jackie. I want for you, what is next? I mean, you're at such a pinnacle in your career and at life. What do you yearn for? Is there something apart from, you know, living with, with your beautiful kitty when she's 18, having a house together, but what do you <laughs> yearn for in your life? Oh, this is going to sound like such a contradiction to everything I have just said, but I will say that once Kitty's a little bit older and, you know, she's off doing her own thing, um, what I would really love is to, it's a simple thing and it's nothing to do with career at all. Um, I'd love to find a partner because I'd just love to sit at the dinner table with someone and have dinner. That's what I yearn for. And that's the thing I miss most about my, oh, my old life, you know. That's, sorry. Oh, Stop darling. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving you the biggest hug, Jackie. And but it's a funny thing what we miss. It can be the littlest things, you know, and for me it's having that family time at the dinner table. It's like that used to be my favourite part of the day. So I don't have that now and I think I will get that back. But as I said, I want to wait, you know, a little bit longer and then maybe down the track I will fall in love. That would be nice and I could travel. It would be nice to travel. I didn't really... Um, travel unless it was for work because I started work so young. So doing something like that might be the next phase of my life. <laughs> oh, well, Jackie, I am just giving you the biggest hug because I think you are such a special soul and I hope you know how beautiful and wonderful you are, how much you give to people every oh, morning. So sweet. But you oh. do. You give so much of yourself and... And you deserve to have that given back to you. And oh, thank you. But you do. And you know what? You will. And yeah. it's about, I just think there are times in our life where you, we just have to dig in and it's hard and there are those little slivers of moments of joy, but it is still hard and you just keep yeah. plugging on. And, and I know 
with those beautiful big blue eyes of yours, you're going to be sitting, gazing into the eyes of someone gorgeous across the dinner table and sharing your day and sharing your life. That is ahead for you because you are far too special and unique to to do it on your own. But where you're at now is right for you right now. Exactly. That's exactly right. Like I need to be on my own now just to, I think I'm, I need it. And then down the track, I very much look forward to that happening as well as a part of my life. So thank you, Jess. You're so, so beautiful. This is why I wanted to do this podcast because I love you so much. Aww. You're just so sweet. You Aww, really are. Darling. Well, you know what? I love you too. And I I know over the years we, we've talked and, but I've always mm, just yep. felt your very special. And and I've always wanted you to know that. And sometimes when you're in sort of in such a public sort of domain, you can forget that and and get lost in all of the other stuff around you. And Totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That can happen. But you're amazing. And and I send you all my love. and, And I know, as you say, you don't like to go out much, but maybe one day soon when we can we can have a glass of rosé together. Oh, sounds amazing, <laughs> Jess. I'd love that. <laughs> and a hug because you're just, yeah. you're bloody wonderful. You really are. <laughs> oh, no, thanks, Jess. Uh, like I said, back at you. <laughs> love you, beautiful. Love you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh, Jackie is so open and honest about her life and I want to thank her for her beautiful vulnerability. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.